0: In this episode of The Soul Trap, we discuss the subject, the Council of Nine, to boldly go where no man has gone before, or rather, where no man of this dimension has gone before. <laughs> The universe is a mathematical place. It um, hurts me to have to admit that. As a history and uh, English major, I never have been that good at uh, math. But the reality of the matter is, is that the universe and all that is, is profoundly, if not uh, existentially uh, and fundamentally mathematical. And from occultism to new ageism to the doctrines of the Word of God themselves, numbers have played an important role. We find numbers such as 3, 6, 7, 13, 10, 11, 12, you name it, many more uh, numbers such as these play a profound role in the Bible and in the spirit world. Across the board And across anthropological people groups, there has been a fascination with the connectivity that exists between numbers and how the universe actually works. Numbers have a way of transcending the spiritual and the physical. And somewhere in that vague and murky gray area between heaven and earth, between the material and the immaterial, lies numerology and the importance of numbers. From simple arithmetic, to the discoveries of the ancient Sumerians and the Egyptians, there is something powerfully connected between numbers and the other side. Such is also the case when it comes to the ancient studies of the gods. Now we know that there is only one true God, one true Lord, ruler of heaven and earth. But we also know that there are gods, plural, small g. There are beings beyond our understanding, watchers, holy ones, mighty ones, spirits, angels, cherubs, seraphim, there are a myriad of numbers both in Bible and in mythology and in lore, and yet they are all seemingly describing something very similar, and that is a hierarchy, a world that lies beyond our empirical ability to catalog them, and we see them clearly throughout the Bible. And not only do we see them in the Bible, but we see them in occult, in ancient mythology, And one of the areas of the studies of this mythology and regarding beings that is very fascinating is the area of a group of beings, for lack of a better word, called the Divine Nine. What are the Divine Nine? Information tells us that the Divine Nine is called the Council of Nine in other terminology. And that the Council of Nine are nine entities who have been operating on Earth, some have estimated, for at least 25,000 years. They are considered to be, quote, an alien presence, but perhaps not in the extraterrestrial sense of the word alien. Their identities are not acknowledged by the modern world, which is under the advent of Christianity, so the article states. The nine correspond to the nine princely offspring of An, the head of the Anunnaki. Also, Egyptian Egyptian mythology's great leader, Eniad, as well as Hellenistic Zeus of the Council of Nine. The Nine were paganized during the Christian Christianization of the modern world. Now, There is a great article written by Marco Oros called The Significance of the Divine Nine in Ancient Culture. Aros writes, the religious traditions of antiquity continue to astound and delight modern-day people who appreciate the history of their cultures or the endearing power of their myths. Many ancient myths contain interesting information about some kind of divine council or council among the gods. Most of these groups consist of the nine deities, The online encyclopedia Wikipedia notes, quote, the concept of the divine assembly or council is attested in archaic Sumerian, Akkadian, Old Babylonian, Egyptian, Canaanite, Israelite, Celtic, Greek, Roman, Nordic. Across the pantheon and across the religions, the article states and. Academic history teaches us that this council of nine, this assembly of the gods, seems to crop up again and again. The article goes on to state that the testimony of these ancient cultures is important because ancient myths often have a kernel of truth in them. Stories of emperors, kings, and pharaohs, consulting, a pantheon of nine gods can be found in virtually every culture across the globe. We see the nine gods of ancient Egypt. The Aeneid were the nine great gods, the Osirian gods Atum, Shu, Tefnut, Geb, Nut, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nethis. The term is also used to describe the great council of the gods as well as a collective term for all of the gods. Atum was the first who created himself, or as the mythology states, arose out of the primordial nothingness, which cannot help but uh, hearken back to those that believe in a gap theory, and who, states the article, created Shu and Tefnut from either his spittle or his blood. From there, union came between Gib and Nut. Their children, the great-grandchildren of Atum, were the first gods of the earth. Osiris and Isis, Set and Nephthys. From those four were all the pharaohs and many of the gods descended. Now, if you don't remember all the names, the one thing you do want to remember is that as far back as we can go in ancient mythology, there is a council of the gods. And it was at least real enough in Exodus chapter 12, as we have often stated, God not only brought judgment upon the firstborn of the nation of Egypt themselves, but he likewise brought judgment upon the gods. Could it be that the Council of Nine, the Assembly of the Nine, the Assembly of the Gods of Egypt, are the same gods that Jehovah God, the One True God, is bringing judgment upon in Exodus chapter number twelve? Well, it's not just in Egypt. There are nine emperor gods of China. The article states the nine sky lords are believed by Taoists to be original rulers of China, and offspring of the supreme god of creation, offspring of the supreme god of creation. That sounds very, very similar to the sons of God. According to legend, nine gods have come from nine stars, which make up the Big Dipper. North Ursa, major, visible, and two assistant stars, invisible to most people. Over time, the new versions of nine emperors emerged, associating them with new identities and origins, connecting them with the nine emperor gods of festival. The Nine Emperor Gods of Festival is a nine-day Taoist celebration beginning on the eve of the ninth lunar month of the Chinese calendar, which is observed in the town of Yishun in Singapore and also primarily in other Southeast Asian cultures, such as Myanmar, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia. The myth of the Nine Emperor Gods is enacted in a body of rituals, the significance of which is reflected in the symbolic representation of the gods. Myth, ritual, and symbol are all thus ideologically interrelated to form a structural framework for the interaction of the yin-yang forces at different levels of the cosmic representation featured in the festival. The festival provides a venue for the yearly renewal of cosmic power so that human life may be rejuvenated and human conflicts... Ceased. Again, it is important that you not necessarily remember all the words and the nuances of each particular culture's expression of the nine, but what is important is that you understand the connectivity, how that these nine, this council of the gods, across continents and across time crop up in culture after culture. There is also called the nine unknown men of Ashoka, The Society of the Nine Unknown Men was formed shortly after 226 BC by Emperor Ashoka, grandson of the legendary emperor who unified the Indian subcontinent. According to Buddhist legend, Ashoka summoned nine of the most brilliant minds in India at the time to be consulted before making big decisions. For security purposes, the identity of these men were never made public. Together, these geniuses formed a secret society that came to be known as the Nine Unknown Men. There you have Babylon, you have Egypt, you have India. All strangely similar. And although there are differences and nuances within the cultures, and there are certainly cultural albatrosses that are put around the mythology itself, there is still, as the writer of the article stated earlier, a kernel of truth. Where there's smoke, there is fire, there is something at the base of this myth that rings true. And so in India, and so in India, we have the nine unknown men. The organization set up accumulating all the scientific knowledge they could, from natural science to psychology to the composition of matter, fearing that if ordinary men were given scientific knowledge, they would use it for destruction. Only the nine men were allowed to study and develop scientific theories. Only those nine men. To better accomplish this daunting task, each of the nine was charged with a specific book that he was to update, revise, and ultimately perfect the knowledge. The number of the members in the society was always to be nine. Thus, the society of the nine unknown men has allegedly lived on for over 2,000 years. And then, of course, there is the nine in Etruscan deities, in Etruscan painting. The basis of the Etruscan religion was the fundamental idea that the destiny of man was completely determined by the vagaries of the many deities worshipped, very similar to what the Greeks talked about when they talked about fate. They had nine gods of lightning whose strikes were thought to indicate future events depending on their location. Ancient Roman scholar and writer Marcus Terentius suggested that they are nine because in doing anything that number is always reputed most powerful and greatest. They have got their power from Jupiter to wield this thunder. All alike were briefly and compendiously invoked under one name, Novencilius. Again, nine, you can't help but associate as a Bible believer nine with that very famous passage, the fruit of the Spirit. Is nine powerful, fruitful? The Greeks believed so. The Greeks believed that Zeus had a quote unquote council of nine. According to the article that we're reading in Greek mythology, when Prometheus gave fire to mankind, he infuriated Zeus And so to punish Prometheus, Zeus had him chained to a rock and every day an eagle came down and ate his liver. That's pretty rough. Because he was immortal, the liver grew back and the eagle returned to do the same to him the next day. To punish mankind, Zeus and eight other deities gathered to form, you guessed it, the Council of Nine. The members were Aphrodite, Apollo, Athena, Demeter, Hephaestus, Hera, Hermes, Poseidon, and of course Zeus himself, the liver destroyer, as we'll call him. Together this council created Pandora. You probably have that on your iPhone. Funny how the further we go away from these things, the closer we get. Together this council created Pandora and sent her as a gift. With her was also given Pandora's box and... Those that the gift was given to were told to never open it. Curiosity got the better of Pandora and she opened the box, releasing all of the misfortunes of mankind. The Nine Muses. Again, in a different culture, and a different society, here we have the Nine Muses. The Nine Muses. All ancient writers seem to appeal to the Muses at the beginning of their work. Cleo... Euterpe, Thalia, Erato, the nine muses, very, very similar to the nine wise men, to the council of the nine. In fact, Homer asks the muses both in the Iliad and Odyssey, two profoundly important Western civilization works, the Iliad and the Odyssey, to help him tell the story in the most proper way. And until today, the muses are symbols of inspiration and artistic creation. In painting, the muses are usually presented as ethereal women with divine beauty, holding laurels and other items depending on their faculty. The nine muses are very profound in our culture. And the article asks, Is it purely coincidence that so many ancient cultures separated by thousands of miles all worshipped a group of nine gods. Is that coincidence? Could there be an intergalactic council of nine, or rather maybe we would say it again, an interdimensional and interspiritual council of nine, secretly working behind the scenes, dictating the course of humanity or affecting the course of humanity. Now that is a very fantastic and fascinating point to ponder. I think it's very interesting, as we digress for just a moment, to think about that passage over in Daniel chapter number four. In Daniel four, we have the testimony of what could arguably be stated, arguably stated, the salvation of Nebuchadnezzar after his encounter with the watchers, the holy ones. Now, when the watcher, the holy one, comes down, he is referred to in the singular, that watcher and holy one seems to be something like what we would say uh, our lord and savior jesus christ it is a it is a dual association given to that individual then later on i believe and you'll have to check me out in verse number 17 that it is referred to that there is A body or a plurality of watchers, of holy ones. What's very interesting, and I don't mean to be in any way, shape, shape or form irreverent, but what's very interesting to think about is, is that God is not actually directly involved in this chapter. It is as if there is a delegated authority of beings who are ensuring the glory of God. Even the voice that speaks is not unquestionably declared to be God's voice speaking to Nebuchadnezzar? That the heavens rule, not just the heaven. Nebuchadnezzar needed not just to know that God ruled, but that there was a hierarchy of the world, that the heavens rule. Is it possible that as Michael, as Gabriel, so there is a principality, so there is a council of nine? I think it's very interesting, very, very interesting That as our technology has advanced and we have been able to push the boundaries of quantum reality, our research has taken us back to the Bible, back to the earliest points of humanity. The Bible with its geography and location is profoundly, profoundly up to date. It seems like the final frontier is not necessarily out in space, but back in the shadows, in the shadowy realm of ancient mystery, rites of passage and cultic groups. And speaking of the final frontier and going where no man has gone before, one cannot help but note a connection between the Council of Nine and Star Trek. Information has been found that seems... At the very least, to connect Gene Roddenberry, the writer, the creator, the medium of Star Trek, to an occult group that is strangely familiar to the average Trekkie, more so than they would think. In an article from Player One, it discusses the fact that an occult research group known as the Round Table Foundation had a direct connection with the Star Trek creation and lore. While the Round Table Foundation's main claim to fame was the discovery of psychic fraud Yuri Geller, it was a hot spot of early psychic research and brought in attention and money from both the military and a compact clique of rich socialites and inventors, including helicopter pioneer Arthur Young. The strangest discovery by far was the mysterious Council of Nine. Depending on your inclination, the Council of Nine, the article states, was either an invisible alien ship orbiting Earth, an ancient satellite or artificial intelligence containing personalities associated with the Egyptian pantheon, or a spiritual nine-part godhead which claimed to be akin to the Christian trinity. Somehow, Gene Roddenberry found himself associated with this group. A group within the group called themselves Lab Number Nine. This is when Gene Roddenberry arrived on the scene. He was asked by the Lab Nine Research Group, Lab Nine Research Group, to sit in on seances that made contact with a mysterious space entity. Gene Roddenberry allegedly completed two two drafts of a science fiction script introducing the world to the Council of nine in an article written stating from at least the mid-1970s roddenberry became associated with a little known group called lab nine according to lynn pickett and clive prince officer authors of the stargate conspiracy lab nine get this now was a research facility based in new jersey of course you know no good thing can come from new jersey It was a research facility based in New Jersey. Quote, they included scientists interested in the interface between quantum physics and consciousness besides members of super-rich families, politicians, and writers. Some, ladies and gentlemen, believe that Roddenberry had direct help from the spiritual or dimensional world, help in writing, and the amazing ability to foretell the future and how things would shape. Star Trek, to boldly go where no demon or no man has gone before, is it possible that woven throughout the series are numerical references to the Council of Nine? Is there a possibility that within the show there is a tip of the hat from time to time to the true creators, not the mind of the man Gene Ronberry, but the soul of the man through which these beings from the other side manifested themselves? One would assume that, if that were the case, 9 would play a prominent role, as in the show Deep Space 9. The term deep space was used, actually, by these entities to describe where they came from in their seances. And then, of course, there is the original number of Kirk's Enterprise, NCC-1701. In the occult, numbers are always added or subtracted until they are reduced to a single digit. In this case, 1701, 1 plus 7 is 8 plus 1 is, you guessed it, 9. And then, of course, there is the Star Trek Enterprise in X-01. If X is the Roman numeral 10, then it actually reads 10 minus 1 equals, wait for it, Nine. Probably the biggest allusion to the Council of Nine is in the Voyager. We have the Borg character, who is part of a collective. What is her name? Seven of Nine. Oh, by the way, she's half human, half machine. Of course, we cannot forget the actual savior of mankind, Star Trek series Picard, who was named after one of the first scientists to penetrate the atmosphere. And oh, by the way, when Picard actually got up there, if you will do research, not the TV character, but the actual scientist, he actually described a flat earth, but I digress. Uh, the savior of mankind and the Federation was Picard, who in essence was a messiah figure died and then came back to life. He was a hybrid, half-man, half-borg, and only he, as the mediator, could save mankind. And speaking of half and half, something not man, try checking out a science fiction action film directed by Neil Blomkamp, written by Blomkamp and Terry Thatchell, about a chimera, a half-man, a half-alien, in a science fiction movie called... District 9. Of course, there is the Enneagram, so popular. Number 9 is a peacemaker, which strangely reminds us of Daniel chapter number 8, verse 25, where the Antichrist, half man, half something else, comes in and destroys many by peace. Hmm. The number 9 from occultism to the word of God. The universe is a strange, strange place, but it is a functional place, and it functions on laws, and these laws operate and manifest themselves by numbers. The Council of Nine, are they around today? Are they active today? I don't know, but I do know That there is a lot of strange things going on in high places, and a lot of strange things going on in Star Trek episodes. Until we meet again, stay safe, and stay on that narrow way. Live long and prosper.